Hey there, this is Jeff Finley, and you're listening to the Maker Mistaker podcast. Today on the show, it's just going to be me, and I'm in my car, and it's after midnight, and it is raining outside. So if you hear a refreshing rain sound, that is all in mic. That is all in the present moment. It wasn't added in after the fact. So no cool rain effects going on. This is real, legit rain. <laughs> so anyway, it's just going to be me on the show today, and man, just... I want to let you know, one week from today, I'm going to be living in a completely different state. I'm moving to Austin, Texas, and I'm saying goodbye to Ohio. I have not lived outside of the state of Ohio for over 10 years when I was in college in Pittsburgh. And even that, I was back and forth between Ohio and Pittsburgh every week. So that doesn't really count. So this time, I'm actually full-time moving to a completely different state halfway across the country to start a fresh life. And literally, I'm starting over like from scratch, because I'm only moving the stuff I can fit in my car, my Toyota Prius. (laughs) So that means my essentials and my cat are coming with me, and I'm going to have to start over and buy new stuff, which is kind of cool, because I look forward to um, decorating and creating my space, my own apartment. I've never lived on my own by myself my whole life. I'm 33 years old, so as you know, just getting out of a divorce. So I was in a 12-year-long relationship, and... um, Now I'm finally living on my own. So this is a brand new life situation for me. And I'm so excited, actually, because I get to start um, the business that I want to start. I want to start a clothing line for starseeds, creative visionaries, awakened souls, you know, new agers. And, you know, it's going to be an extension of these three patches that I've released, the 1111 patch, the starseed patch, and the flower of life patch. And so you can iron those onto your jacket and stuff like that. But what I want to do is create more patches like that for, you know, new agers and at the same time come up with T-shirts, stickers, um, you know, all the other kind of accessories and stuff like that for that crowd and make stuff that I like that I would wear myself. I wrote the book about how to start a clothing line, but I have not had a clothing line myself. So this should be interesting. What I actually want to do is take it on the road to different events and vend, you know, have a vendor table and get myself around the country and maybe around the world and traveling and speaking and teaching and also selling my stuff. So that's part of my goal for when I move to Austin. And other things I want to do when I move there is start another band. I'm so, so excited and I'm eager to get back behind the drum kit or... I don't know, I could be playing guitar and could be singing my own songs. So that's something I've been practicing a lot too. So just, I I still feel like I suck at singing and I'm not confident enough to get in front of a crowd yet. And to be honest, I haven't even written a song yet that that I I actually am comfortable singing. Just kind of learning guitar and learning how to sing at the same time. Just something I'm doing privately. But I can picture myself in maybe a year from now doing that um, in a band. Pretty excited about that. Um, But anyway, what have I been up to this past month? So if you remember, a month ago I posted, well not a month ago, a couple of weeks ago, I posted an article called, I'm quitting Facebook and going outside. So how has that been? So I'm still off Facebook, and I have not looked back. Like, I don't care about Facebook one bit. It's, it was a tough thing to get off there for the only for the simple fact that I can no, I can't promote my business on there. I can't promote this podcast on Facebook or any of my articles. That was the thing that was holding me to Facebook. And, you know, friends and family and all that kind of stuff, but those people know how to reach me. I know how to reach them outside of Facebook. But why did I quit Facebook? 
Well, I quit for emotional reasons, for focus reasons. And, you know, it's one of those things that I felt like it was a habit that was ingrained in my life that I was constantly checking it several times a day. And I wasn't getting any enjoyment out of it. I was just kind of feeling that like a like Pavlov's dog, you know, this it was just an addiction. And I wanted to quit coffee at the same time, too. Um, so I quit coffee for a week before I started drinking coffee again. But what I wanted to do was kind of do a reboot. Um, so get rid of this, this stimulation that I was having and settle into a more peaceful, zen-like state where I'm not having a lot of these digital distractions or caffeine. I wanted to settle into my center and allow the thoughts that come in to be more pure, to be more unique and original rather than influenced by what other people are saying on Facebook or what the coffee is making me want to do, you know. So it was good. I'm still off Facebook. I also quit Instagram. That's kind of crazy too. Um, I'm still on Twitter. I don't really use Twitter that much, but I have been using it more, I guess, now that I'm off Facebook and Instagram. Instagram was a hard one to leave too, but I kind of I kind of left for the same reasons, you know, just emotional reasons for I was following a lot of cool stuff and I was inspired at the time. Um, but after a while, you know, it's just so much noise, so much input. I was receiving so much input from sources that was just kind of too... Well, it's just too much noise. Let's just put it that way. So I wanted to dial down the noise and get a little simpler. And what did I do with that craving for for social um, interaction and connection? Well, I joined a meditation group here locally, and I also started taking yoga classes. Now, that has been really rewarding. I mean, I've done yoga three times a week for the past two weeks, and I'm going to be taking it for the rest of this week before I move to Austin. And the meditation group has also got this thing called kirtan, which is a chanting. So before we do a meditation together, we we repeat this mantra over and over again. We kind of sing it. And to me, that's interesting because I want to get comfortable singing in front of people. And so this is a little bit of a ice, uh, a little bit of a baby step. I'm sort of singing in harmony with the rest of the group and relieving myself of my self-consciousness, my uh, insecurities, you know making you know what does my voice sound like oh my god you know but we do that for 20 minutes and you don't care about what your voice sounds like at all and and you actually have time and practice to kind of become in in harmony with the rest of the voices that you're singing with and and it's just uh nice it gets you out of your mind and prepares you for a good meditation session where you can calm your mind and let your thoughts flow by and um that has been good because i've been interacting with some other people that are um also part of it they're into crystals and all that kind of stuff too and I've taken a workshop called uh, Opening Your Sacred Heart. And that is also like a meditation group combined with a little bit of Hindu and Buddhist teachings with some crystals thrown in. Pretty cool thing that I just discovered. And I probably wouldn't have discovered that had I not quit Facebook and had a craving for connection that I pursued outside of the Internet. Um, So that's pretty cool. Two other things that I've been really into this past month. So as I prepare myself for Austin, I'm looking at my finances and I'm getting kind of scared. I'm looking at my bank account is getting smaller and smaller, and I'm not making a ton of money. I mean, I'm. Let me tell you, I make maybe two to two hundred or three hundred dollars a month, maybe four hundred dollars if we're lucky. Okay, that is probably way less than you expected. So, how am I surviving? Well, I'm living at my parents' house right now. Um, 
I am also living off an advance loan that GoMedia gave me that's a sort of a, an advance on my buyout that they have to do. They're going to be buying out my shares back to the company because um, I'm leaving as a partner. So we have to negotiate that. That's a legal thing that we're, we're negotiating. So that is what I've been living off of, as well as my savings that I'd saved up. And I make my income from coaching, a little bit of freelance design, um, selling my book, and selling my patches. Those are the ways I make my money. And to be completely transparent with you, I might sell maybe 20 to 30 or $40 worth of my books every month. Um, maybe 10, 15, 20 dollars of patches so far in my or a month, and I might sell um, occasionally I'll get a freelance design project, which might be 500 to two thousand dollars here and there, but I haven't had one of those in a while. And the other thing is coaching, and I used to get paid about a thousand dollars a month from coach.me, but now that payment is down to about 150 dollars a month. So you can see my finances are really tightening. So what is the reason for that? Now, this a big part of this is because this year has been totally fucked up. Totally crazy for me. And I'm not thinking I'm not complaining. This is just the uh, the reality of the situation. So, I quit GoMedia in December of 2014. So, a little over a year ago. I had to deal with the divorce and the separation from my wife. And that was a really difficult time of my life. At the same time, I was trying to write my second book and figure out how I can earn money by myself. But it was difficult doing all that stuff at the same time. And then I moved out in August. And that's really when my finances started to kind of decline because I went moved back in with my parents and I was in like shut off mode. I was in total like fuck work mode. I did not want to work. I wanted to take a break. I went on sabbatical, basically. So I went on my 43-day cross-country road trip, and I, you know, I spent money on food and lodging and activities. And that was one of the best things I've ever done in my whole life, you know, to, to be able to not work. So sure, I had some savings, and I, and I wasn't really generating hardly any income, but I just had to go for it. And I thought, when I get back, I'll start taking myself more seriously and start working harder. But when I got back, I was still in sort of this vacation mode, and it was really difficult. I was so restless. I wanted to get back on the road. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to go on some dates. I wanted to meet people. Um, I was not in a work mode, and I. It's hard to get yourself in a work mode when you're self-employed and you and you don't really have exact. You don't really know exactly what you want to be doing with your life at that point. So I did have a, a couple trickle-in clients uh, for freelance graphic design, and coaching sort of helped me. And occasionally I might get a random refund check for taxes or this or that. But anyway, every month my finances kept getting lower and lower, and then I started getting afraid this month. I'm like, shit, I'm going to be running out of money soon. What am I going to do? When I get to Austin, i got to start hustling, hustle hard. But the other thing I've learned is that my mentality is, is, a, is in scarcity, it's not in abundance. When you're successful, you start to feel successful, you attract more success. If you're not doing much and you start to feel lazy, you start to feel not very valuable, you start to attract that energy, you start to attract that into your life. So it's just like it makes it worse. The more you worry about money, the more uh, you, you attract things that cause you to worry more about money, you get more bills and, and this, you start to focus on all the bad. So 
that started to happen, and I wanted to put a stop to that. So I said to myself, you know what, I'm going to focus on, I'm going to get get my mindset wrapped around money again, because I had been ignoring it, ignoring my finances, not wanting to pay attention to my bank accounts. I'm like, I don't want to look at it, if you know what I mean. But anyway, so I was at this bookstore two weeks ago, and I had already done this meditation about abundance, and I kept affirming to myself that I am successful, I am abundant, I am not afraid of money, you know, I didn't say it exactly the way that I just described it, but it was a long meditation about visualizing myself financially successful. And a friend of mine, she sent me this book uh, called Get Rich Lucky Bitch. It's it's actually marketed towards women. You know, she said that she, it worked for her, but she recommended it to me, said some of the techniques in here are really good. You ought to try them. So I tried it and I, I bought the book and I was like, this is really, really good. One of the first things that she recommended was you have to keep track of all of your income that you receive every single day. So this isn't about organization. It's not about um, keeping your profit and loss even or any of that stuff. It's about paying attention to the positive that you receive every day. So if you find money on the street, if someone gives you a gift, if you um, someone buys you a coffee, if you get paid, if some, you sell some products, you keep track of your income every single day. What you're essentially doing is reinforcing the positive of earning money and making money and receiving money. You start to feel more abundant. You pay attention to all the money you already are receiving. And you usually are receiving a lot more because typically you pay attention to the money that you're losing. Everything you got to spend, you're like, this sucks. But when you start paying attention to the positive, it starts to uh, build on itself. You, it's, it's tried and true. And, and it actually really worked for me. The very first mo- week I started doing this, I started selling patches and selling more books. And I even sold a, a, fo- a coaching phone call, which I hadn't sold one of those in a while. So that is um, that was really surprising. And so I went to my meditation group and she gave us a crystal and she told us to meditate with this crystal and she told us a little bit about, about it. And and she later told us that it was a prosperity stone. So I thought that was a kind of a synchronicity where I get all of this. Um, I'm starting to meditate more on money, starting to think a lot about it. And then she gives me a stone. It's called a prosperity stone. And then I was at the bookstore and this book jumped right off the shelf at me. And it said a happy pocket full of money. And it's a metaphysical book about manifesting money using the whole your thoughts create your reality. You're like kind of along the lines of think and grow rich if you've ever read that. And I was like, this book jumped out at me. I'm in the I'm in my money frame of mind here. So I'm gonna so I started reading it in the bookstore and I was like, wow, this is really, really good. I was like I wanted to underline everything. So I said, you know, I wouldn't have normally bought this, but because I'm thinking I'm open to signs from the universe here, um, I took it as a sign and I bought that book. And I've been reading that and underlining so much. So let me just tell you a little bit about the book, just um, a core tenant. It's essentially what you think about manifests, whether you're thinking about good stuff or you're thinking about bad stuff. It's going to it's what you see in the physical reality is a reflection of who you are on the inside. It's your reflection of your state of being. If you feel wealthy, you attract wealth into your life and it becomes evident. If you feel poor, you attract poverty into your life and it becomes evident. Whether you believe it to be true or not, you're right on both counts. Does that make sense? Okay, so I was reading this book, doing the meditations, doing affirmations, 
I am wealth, I am abundance, I am joy on a daily basis. And I started to attract more money into my life. It was crazy how it actually works. Now, I'm not rich, like, financially in my bank account, not yet. But I have been paying attention to making a little bit more money than I was before. So I'm feeling more positive about my finances, more hopeful. And that's a good step forward for this month. <sighs> okay. Now, what's the second thing that I've been into this month? Second thing, I've been into a lot of reading and inspiration about masculinity and the red pill. If you're not familiar with the red pill, it's a subreddit where men are talking about relationships and masculinity. And at first, I saw this a couple of months ago, maybe a year ago, I don't know. And it triggered me. I was pretty offended by it because I was... They, the way that they speak, it's kind of angry against women. They're pissed off at the feminist movement for feminizing men. And if you're familiar with No More Mr. Nice Guy or any of these books that are helping sort of sensitive, emotional, dorky, nerdy guys become more successful with women. So much of the dating and relationship advice that's targeted towards men is focused on sex focused on casual sex specifically, focused on um, kind of the shallowness, the shallow nature of finding hot, beautiful women and seducing them to get into bed with you. <laughs> and so it's I've been reading a lot of this stuff to kind of, and at first I was triggered by it because it doesn't seem like it was fitting my authenticity. But this is what's really interesting. The thing I was triggered the most by was this idea of alpha men and beta men, alpha males and beta males. Why was I triggered by this? Because it made it look like there was this classification of men out there that was that was having everything that you could ask for. They were the they were the confident ones, the attractive ones, the ones that all the women craved and wanted to be with. They were the ones getting all of this hot, steamy sex. They were the ones that that were successful in business. And then you had the beta males who were the sensitive, nerdy, intro, introverted types that the women were not attracted to unless they wanted to marry them for money or for security or comfort, but not for sex or desire. And man, that made me, that really hurt my feelings in a lot of ways. As a typical beta male would say, <laughs> that really hurt my feelings. But what? But it triggered me because I'm like, I felt like I was confident, but then I read this material and I feel like I'm missing out on all of this hot sex or something that I'm not getting. And and it becomes very apparent how much I stay indoors and how much I don't socialize with people, how much I'm not going to... I don't go to bars because I don't drink, I, but I'm not getting out there and I'm not really talking to women at all. Like, I'll do some online dating, but I don't go out in the real world and pick up women. This, these books and a lot of this male-centered dating advice focuses on that approach. And that's not something I ever felt comfortable doing. So I felt like, man, I'm really missing out. I'm really lacking here. I really feel like I've got a problem. Now, that's where I was getting tripped up was because I'd, read, I'd be reading these books. For example, um, Alan Roger Curry wrote a book called Mode One, Let the Women Know What You're Really Thinking. And to be honest, it's actually a really, really good book. It's explicit and it might be offensive to some people but the guy is raw and real and upfront that is his mode that's what he calls mode one so he talks a lot about the alpha males versus the beta males and 
the you know the ideal is to be an alpha male to attract the best women and to create the most um, polar the polarity between the masculine and feminine. You create a lot of attraction and desire there, and of course, amazing sex results. And then it's assumed that amazing happiness and fulfillment results after that because you know that's what we all know that men want, right? So that's where I was getting tripped up, like, shit, man, I've not been living the life that I should be living because all these guys out here are getting all this great stuff, and I'm just sitting in my house on my computer, scrolling through Facebook and Instagram, and wishing I had wishing I had some love in my life that I can experience and some physical touch that I can experience, and, and that was not happening. So it was just making me feel bad. But here is the interesting thing. You know, I would have never seen this coming. There are four letters that helped me feel better about myself as a man. And those letters are BDSM. And you might be thinking, what the fuck? <laughs> um, Jeff's into BDSM? Like, what? Is he into, like, whipping and chains and choking and domination? Is he a sadist? Is he a masochist? Does Jeff watch Fifty Shades of Grey? And what is he getting at these ideas? So I'll tell you, and it's it's actually kind of interesting. So if you remember, I interviewed Leandra Vane on my podcast a couple of months ago, a month or two ago, I think, and she talks about disability and sexuality. And she, you know, she growing up with a disability from a very early age and going through school, she was kind of asexualized. Men did not look at her like a sexual person. They looked at her as like a buddy, a friend, or like one of the guys, and she was obviously very upset by that, feeling like less of a person, feeling like she has a whole part of herself that is not seen or valued. And she felt like she was really missing out on something in life, you know? Like, guys weren't taking her seriously. She was not getting approached, you know? She was kind of an outcast. But from an early age, discovered that she had these sexual fantasies where she was turned on by spanking. And... This was something that she shut down in herself and did not allow to surface. She did not think this was appropriate. You know, she was she was so young. When she got older, a friend of hers introduced her to BDSM. And that is uh, bondage, discipline, sadism, and masochism. It's the, the underground sexual fetish community. So if you're into spanking, this is where you go to find people that will spank you. Or vice versa. And at first, I might have been a little triggered by this because it's definitely not mainstream. And it's definitely, you know, me being a person that's kind of trying to come to terms with my sexuality now after marriage and now being single, it's like, whoa, okay, I've, this is a whole new world, you know. Um, but I'd never really had any of these um, typical fetishes. So I didn't think BDSM was something for me. But when I interviewed Leandra Vane, she really made it seem that like when she got introduced to the BDSM community, that's when she found acceptance. Um, People did not look at her as a strange um, misfit of society. They accepted her, disability and all. And they told her she was beautiful. These people told her that she was hot. And then these people said that they would love to have sex with her. And it was like for the first time in her life, she felt sexy. She felt desired. And that is a huge thing for individuals, for humans to feel desired by the opposite sex or by the by the sex that they're attracted to. They want to be loved and desired. And that is something that I want to feel, you know, as a single man. I want to feel desired. I want to feel desirable and attractive. 
And sure, I know I'm an attractive guy. I'm a handsome guy. Um, and I've really got my shit together. Um, well, if they listen to this podcast, they're going to realize I'm almost broke and I'm kind of <laughs> freaking out about that a little bit. But so Leandra introduced me to the concept of BDSM and I was intrigued. I was asking all sorts of questions about it and it piqued my curiosity. I kind of left it at that. So I visited a friend in New York a couple of weeks ago. I think it was a month and a half ago. And on my way back, I stopped in Buffalo. And I went on Tinder. I was hoping I could meet somebody for the day and have someone, you know, tour me around Buffalo. We go go out to get some coffee or go out to lunch or dinner and um, just have some company for the day. And I ended up meeting a woman and she had like this crazy purple and green hair and all these tattoos. She had a giant tattoo of a crystal on her chest. And I thought that was cool. Like, okay, I want to talk to you. You seem really interesting. She was into kind of some of the spiritual esoteric stuff as well and also seemed very kind of creative and artistic. And I thought she was really interesting. She and I agreed to meet at this coffee shop in Buffalo and we ended up talking. And I learned from her that she calls herself a dom and she is basically a dominatrix. She whips men and women for fun and enjoyment. <laughs> so, and I was like, wow, okay, so tell me all about that. Tell me everything. I was so intrigued, you know, not that I wanted to do that myself, but I was just so interested and fascinated because I'm exploring my sexuality. So this is new to me, so I'm, I want to learn so much. much I want to learn as much as I can. And it really made a lot of sense. She said a lot of the guys that she ends up... Um, that she ends up being in a dom sub relationship with are former military men, you know, guys that live a hard, tough life in the day, you know, at nighttime or in the underground or in the shadow. They want to experience their pain. They want to they want to be abused and dominated. And that might sound a little scary to some people, but if you're into BDSM, you know that it's actually not very scary. It's super cool and chill and consensual and that's the interesting thing about it so she told me about that and she told me about a website called FetLife and I was like that was the community that Leandra Vane talked about okay so okay so tell me more about FetLife and she's like yeah you can just sign up and find events in your local community and you can meet people and it's like you know a safe place to get introduced to all this stuff introduced to the lifestyle and I was like okay cool well that sounds awesome so when I got back home I went to FetLife and signed up and I was like, whoa, okay, this is like out of this world. I am so new to this. I'm such a noob. Like this is a, a brand new web. You know, if you've ever joined a new forum, a new community, it's sometimes a little daunting trying to introduce yourself and you don't even know where to go. There's so many groups, so many threads, so many comments and pictures and images and videos and articles. You don't even know where to look. But I just kind of tiptoed my way around. I filled out my profile and told people I was new and why I was here and what I was exploring. And I commented on a couple other people's journal entries and pictures and stuff. And before I know it, people started friend requesting me. And they were, um, they liked what I wrote in my bio and we started talking. And it's like, wow, okay, this community is already so accepting. It's already so interesting. And I got to look at the whole dominance and submission thing and read what people talk about it and see it for what it really is. This consensual sort of exchange of power between someone like someone wants to submit and surrender to a person that they really trust, why would they want to do that? Well, I mean, to experience, they get some sort of fulfillment and enjoyment out of that. And they want to experience emotions that you can't really safely explore in the vanilla world, basically, in the mainstream, normal society. You can't really exp exp um, 
play with your aggression or you can't really channel your anger or your rage into something safe, tech, you know, unless you're into sports or working out or something like that. But but what if you want to what if you want to be hit and spanked? What if that's something that you like? You know, you want to get hit by a cane because you actually like the pain feeling and it brings you all these endorphins and stuff. And you you kind of enter this other space that feels really good and you kind of get high off of the pain. Where are you going to find someone that does that to you? That, that you can safely explore those feelings. And that was the thing that's really interesting to me as somebody who is interested in um, authenticity and emotion. What better way to explore some of our shadows than in the BDSM community? You know, the things that we don't allow ourselves to express in the day-to-day life, we can express them here safely with a partner that we trust and be naked and emotionally vulnerable. That stuff sounds really cool to me. So, but what I noticed is there are men on there that call themselves dominant and some of the languages that they use is kind of triggering sometimes you know it's some of it's very violent but then when I start to look into it more it's very playful it's weird it's like the it's I can start to understand it more and then I start to understand it within myself I start to come to terms with my own inner dominant person my own alpha male inside that I'd never really let out into the public because as someone who's very nice and agreeable and accommodating to most people I'm I'm a, admit I'm a sort of a people pleaser um, now at the same time though I march to the beat of my own drum I I'm very independent you know I'm I'm this punk rock new age breakdancer hippie kind of guy you know and and these are the, I'm into my own spirituality I don't really like to work for anybody else so on one hand, that's very alpha, but on the other hand, I'm very emotional and intuitive and sensitive. So, you know, on the Myers-Briggs uh, personality test, I'm an INFP. And when I first tested that I got INFP, I was pretty disappointed because I was like, man, that's like the wussiest four letters, the, the wussiest Myers-Briggs personality type that I possibly could have got. Because those people, especially men, are like the the soft, sensitive, shy, introverted types. And of course, that's not the type of man that all of this male-targeted um, dating and relationship advice and seduction advice says is the kind of guy that women want. And I read articles and books about what women want from guys, and it's all about confidence. It's all about domination. It's all about it's all about you know courage and standing up for yourself and being strong and and all that kind of stuff. And the INFP was like the opposite of all of that and so within myself i was experiencing a lot of uh cognitive dissonance you know like gosh i'm all sensitive but then it's like i i want to be strong and confident and then but wait i am strong and confident but like i don't want to get rid of my sensitivity you know and like women tell me that they really like a guy like me but yet they're not having sex with me they're gonna you know they're not picking me they're actually telling me that but they don't pick me and so there's this um for men out there who can relate to that, I, I'm sure that I'm not the only one that feels this way. And I've read books. I've read No More Mr. Nice Guy two or three times. And I've read several of David Data's books, you know, Way of the Superior Man, um, Enlightened Sex Manual, Blue Truth. David Data's awesome. You know, when he talks about the interplay between masculine and feminine energies and what it really means to be in your masculine and what it means to be in your feminine, it's not necessarily gender, it's not male or female, but it's energy. And it's a state of being. Like being in your masculine means that you are in your direction. You are in your logical. You're in your linear and rational frame of mind. You're in your problem-solving frame of mind. You are in your stillness 
and stoicness. You know, you're not emotional. You are still, you're aware, you're present, you're conscious. You're, it's pure consciousness. Okay. That is the masculine. It's kind of straight cut and dry. That's it. The feminine, on the other hand, is, is wild. It's creative. It's free. It's expressive. If you look at nature, it's wild. And that is the nature of the feminine. That is Mother Earth. That is feminine incarnate. And the, that's all, all the emotion, the whole range, the whole spectrum from rage and anger and hatred and murder to bliss and joy, happiness and ecstasy. That is this whole spectrum of emotion. And that's all like the feminine energy, basically. So if you're in your feminine, you are experiencing those emotions fully. Like you are, you are those emotions. But not everyone is 100% masculine or 100% feminine. I mean, this is we are a mix all the time. And so it's hard to to read some of these books that say you got to be alpha to attract the women, to find to get women to like you, to be attracted to you. Here's what you got to say on these dating sites to kind of make sure you don't come across as too needy and creepy. I mean, there's so much noise out there for men in terms of the dating sphere. And so but the BDSM part actually helped me come to terms with my own inner alpha. So then next time when I went on the red pill and I looked at it and I was like, but before I thought it was like misogynist and like hateful towards women. And I was all defensive, you know, because I am a kind of a feminist myself in a lot of ways. But then I realized a lot of what these guys are coming through, coming from, they are former nice men, nice guys that have basically been shut out of um, sexual relationships with women. So they feel rejected and they feel hurt and mad and, and alone, basically. A lot of them have been involved in long-term relationships where the sex life dried up. And they don't know why their wife stopped having sex with them or why they felt like unattractive and undesirable when they felt that they were doing everything that women said they wanted men to be. You know, If you go to counseling, if you're in a long-term relationship, a lot of times the counselors will ask the woman, like, what is it that you want your husband to do? tell them what you want. And they say, I wish you just help out more. I wish you would just do more chores, help around the house. You know, I don't want to have to constantly bother him to tell him to do all these things. I wish you would just do it on his own. I wish you would like, um, clean up after himself and do the dishes and put the toilet seat down, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so men do that. And yet their wife still feels obligated and not a genuine desire to reciprocate physical intimacy with their, with their husband. And, I'm not saying that this is just all, this is how it is for everyone. Um, and sometimes the roles are reversed. There's a lot of women out there that express the dead bedroom. Um, I'm, I'm very familiar with that too. But so the, the men that are behind the red pill have kind of had this frustration that they've been dealing with. And then there's, they've read all of the, the PUA advice, the pickup artist advice. And that feels a little bit manipulative, you know, because it's not actually authentic. It's people that are trying to be confident, trying to come up with lines and trying to come up with a strategy, which is a very masculine approach to kind of come up with a strategy, like treating it like war, like it's men versus women. There's an anger back there that's fueling this 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 uh, interaction. So men who are angry, feeling frustrated, want to have success. So they will get into what Alan Roger Curry calls mode four <laughs> and they will express their anger and frustrations in the red pill subreddit. And that was what I was originally turned off by. But then when I decided to pay attention to it and see what do they actually have to say, 
that's when things got a little interesting. So I, at the way I'm at right now, I wouldn't say I'm like a red pillar. I didn't, I don't feel like I've taken the red pill. I think that I've sure I've taken the red pill, but there's so much more around it that they are ignoring. They're ignoring a lot of the spiritual aspect that I'm into. And they're also ignoring a lot of the more cosmic aspect, which I feel like there's a reason for a lot of the feminine energy happening on the planet right now. It's not because the feminist movement is making men more feminine by some giant conspiracy. I think that there's actually a, a big reason why there's more feminine energy being filled through the consciousness of men right now, because how else are we going to end war if men don't become in alignment with their hearts and their emotions and their compassion? If men don't become more sensitive, we're going to keep on with the warring and whoring mentality that we're seeing. And that is something that is over. We are done with war. And that's something that I feel in my heart that to be true, but I don't have any evidence, obviously, for that. It's just an intuition that I have. But there's a reason for men becoming more sensitive in this generation. It's not a big conspiracy. But what we what we want to do is we want to reclaim our masculinity. We want to say the part of ourselves that have been demonized, that we felt afraid of, our anger and our aggression and our rage. We want to build, bring back that confidence and balance ourselves with our feminine energy that we have. So sure, we can still be the kind and sweet man, but we also want to be the strong, confident, and attractive and dominant man that we can be. You know, and it's up to us what we use with or what we do with that power. So for me, I wanted to reconnect with that power that's inside me because that has a lot to do with making money as well. If and that's also what is that, the second chakra, the sexual and the, the sexual chakra, the sacral, when that so that's all about um, my creative energy, my sexuality, and my ability to attract abundance of money too. So that has been something that's been dormant for me. You know, I want to I want to get out there. I want to um, let that go, let that um, flourish. Um, I don't I don't want to get out of alignment and become like a super macho masculine man. I don't think that's ever going to happen. But what I want to do is become more balanced and own that part of myself. So BDSM, just by looking at it and, and reading about it and talking to some of the people on there, I've really owned that part of myself, the inner masculine, the inner alpha. And so I've been reading... There's a book called The Rational Male. By uh, it's actually a blog, The Rational Male. It's a very red pill book and blog, but by Rolo Tomasi. And that book is really, really good. It's really interesting. And I mean, I warn you, if you're not prepared for this stuff, it might trigger you. You you might just want to jump and label it as misogynistic and and hateful and stuff like that. But I mean, have an open mind and take your and allow allow yourself to have your own feeling. But also recognize this is the voice of a man who's also, you know, you got to take this voice seriously. And th- and then because when, you, when you're triggered by it, there's a reason why you in particular are triggered by it. There's something within you that you are denying that you see in that other person. If you feel disgusted by that person, it's because there's an aspect of you inside that you are disgusted by, that you have not allowed yourself to experience. And for me, that was like the dominant masculine the one that's the warring the warrior the the leader that's in power basically like the hitler or the machiavelli you know the people that are so narcissistic that they take everything that they want they don't give a fuck about what anybody else thinks now that is hardcore and that's been difficult for me to integrate into my life in a positive way so they also call it the manosphere the manosphere or positive masculinity movement. 
And so there's a lot of this stuff popping up. It's This is like interesting because a lot of men are growing up, you know, sometimes without father figures or they're being raised in a feminist culture where most of the authority figures that they uh, deal with in their life through school are female teachers, female authority figures. And so and their and their mother sometimes is often a dominating mother because there's been a masculinization of the of women where they're encouraged to be more independent and more career oriented. You know, for the sake of equality, there's been a balancing sort of in the genders, but at the same time it's also like a neutralization of the genders. Like um there's a confusion going on. It's it's making um, it's not as simple as it used to be back in the day when you had a man had his role and a woman had her role and they kind of knew what to do. Now things are like egalitarian and equal where a lot of men and women are getting together feeling like they have to be equals. And so men, I'm just speaking in terms of heterosexual relationships. I mean, you can say the things, same thing for uh, homosexual relationships or, or anything else. It's more about the masculine and feminine balance. If you get two very masculine um, partners together, they're going to conflict. And it's, and if you get like two feminine partners together, it's going to conflict. There's not going to be that spark of attraction. And maybe there will be at first, like there's a, the opposite sort of will attract. The masculine will attract the feminine polarity. But over time, she, as the woman kind of goes into her masculine, she's going to be kind of dominating and controlling, and the man will submit to that sometimes and become more feminine. And then they become very, very, very good platonic friends over the course of a long-term relationship. But what's going to happen is the desire will fade away. That desire for romantic, physical, passionate sex is going to fade away because of that neutralization of that polarity. This is something that the partners actually have to work on. This is why desire fades in long-term relationships, but platonic love and companionship might increase. You might feel like you love your partner more than ever, but you don't desire them the same way. That spark's gone. So there's all sorts of talk about how do you reignite the flame. Esther Perel has a great book called Mating in Captivity, and I really recommend that. She's got a great perspective on why desire fades, and she's actually pro-cheating. For example, like not cheating because that's dishonest, but pro extramarital relations with other people consciously, because what that does is it is it invokes the feeling of separation. And when you have a feeling of separation, you have your desire to merge again. If you're both completely merged and you're both completely neutralized and balanced together, um, you might get along, but you're not going to have that spark to want yourselves to reunite. Think about the times you've had the most passionate sex in your relationship. It's usually after an argument or a threat to the relationship and you want to make up, or maybe after some distance has separated you two where one partner leaves for a long time and then they come back. Or maybe one partner goes and they're in their element and they are seen from a like you're a different perspective. You see other uh, members of the opposite sex interacting with them. And they look attractive to you from that other people are saying they're attractive. And now you feel attracted to your partner in a new way. And so it's awesome. it's this awesome, delicate balance between creating desire and attraction within a long-term relationship. And it's it's another thing that I'm really fascinated by. I mean, I really love relationship dynamics. I love, I mean, it's all started something that I, I started learning when my mine and Kim's marriage um, failed, for lack of a better word. Um, when we got the divorce, I had to take to a lot of self-evaluation on why did things turn out the way they turned out. And for me, it was 
you know, a lot to do with my own inner masculine and my own inner drive and ambition and confidence and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's what I've been reading. And I mean, that's the rational male and the red pill. It's something that kind of jolted me awake for a little bit. Um, and I'm kind of still sorting through it. Um, it's just going to be something else that integrates into my subconscious and kind of guides me to the next step. But, um, yeah, I have, I can say that I have been more successful in some of my communication with women, you know, on OkCupid and, and there's some dating apps and stuff like that. So, so I have some, some promise for it. Uh, I feel good about it. Um, I don't know where it's going to take me, but that's the best part about this journey is like, I have no idea where I'm going next. I'm just following my inspiration, my curiosity, and it leads me to the edge of my comfort zone. And so I get the chance to make a free will decision to step out of my comfort zone and continue to expand and learn and grow. So when I get to Austin, I want to look up the BDSM community. I want to look up the Tantra community, which is like the spiritual sexuality, um, arena. I want to look up, uh, the music community to to see where the punk scene is see where the b-boy music the dance scene is i want to look up um salsa dancing i want to do some partner dancing i've never really i've always been a good dancer but by myself and hip-hop and break dancing but i have not been uh not been into partner dancing but it's something i want to try as well also to kind of if i'm doing salsa if i'm doing a partner dancing where i have to do the leading that's a good chance for me to be in my masculine and work with the feminine and and have that beautiful dance there so it's sort of a metaphor for relationships in like a in like a dance form so that's kind of cool and what else let's see um oh i'm going to be attending catalyst con in chicago coming up in april that is a um, relationships and sexuality conference and leandra vane is going to be speaking there so that's what 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 drew me there and i can't wait to see her speak and see what she's going to talk about i know she'll it'll be similar to the what she says in her book trophy wife and i look forward to meeting her in person actually so i'm pretty excited about that and wow it's really raining out there can you hear it well i think that wraps up today's podcast i'm glad i did it and despite the rain and i wanted to get a chance to discuss some of the things that i've been reading and i've been a little bit afraid to share because i'm not so confident on it yet but this is what's been going on with me and what I want to do. And I can't wait to get to Austin. So if any of you live near and around there, I want let's meet up if you can. And uh, I'd love to be the listener. So that's it. Thanks for listening. Give me a rating on iTunes and so other people can discover this podcast. Or share it if you think it's worth sharing. I don't, I'm not on Facebook, but yeah, share it on Facebook if that's what you want to do. And uh, until next time, stay conscious.